How do folks? Welcome to another episode of Your Dave's Hobby Podcast, podcast where I talk about everything in tabletop gaming, from tabletop board games, tabletop war games, tabletop RPGs, and even occasionally um, tabletop uh, card games. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to Maisie Hatchard, who is a Japanese to English translator within the gaming industry, and um, she works actually in Japan. Um, with a number of different companies, she's a freelancer um, who works with all these Japanese game companies in order to make them accessible to people who speak English like us. Um, so I'm going to talk to her about that um, and her gaming history, as we always do. Uh, and you know, we'll get to have a lot of insight into the gaming industry in another country. Um, which will be interesting. First, of always, um, I got a plug Legends of Hammond Run. So go to at Hammond Run on Twitter, go to Legends of Hammond Run.wordpress.com on, on the internet, obviously. Um, and all of the stuff that you need to know is there. Legends of Hammond Run is currently a work in progress uh, RPG by myself and uh, Sam Connor. Arthur Grant and Barry Crawley with a little bit of help from Graham Barber also POC Gamer um, who helped write the help over had the idea for the Psionic Rules um, and I wrote them so they work in the, the, the game um, general plan is playtesting for another year and a half or so and then go on Kickstarter uh, or and what and or Indiegogo or some fourth crowdfunding um, and we'll have it out in like two and a half years um, so this is a real thing real game um, and we're really going to get into it so if you want to get on the ground floor you want to help us play test it want to help us find out the bugs um, you can download uh, the version 0.2 or itch.io and drive through RPG the links as I said um, are on at Hammond's Run which is the official Twitter handle and um, WordPress, um, legendshammondsrun.wordpress.com I will put the links in the bottom um, I will also I think that's it oh, oh, it. Run panel if you want to help us out help us you know keep going or help us make get some art done. Um, you can buy t-shirts, hats, mugs, um, computer covers. You know, all the shit. Um, you can buy on the website. Um, it, the link is on the pin post on my Twitter feed. Uh, there is also a link to it on. The Legends Hammondron.wordpress.com uh, website as well. So, uh, also, if you really want to help us out and you can get yourself some kit in the future, and um, we have the Patreon. Now, the Patreon it goes from a dollar to twenty dollars, and there are varying um, good things that come with every tier. Uh, so. You know, even if you just want to help us out with a door, everything is appreciated. Everything helps. Um, 
at some point I will get to a system where you know and the website the website is just a placeholder right now eventually we are going to hit having enough money in order for us to actually have a decent website um, and modify it and sort it all out myself but up until that point that's that website um, and as I said Patreon will help if you want to help us out help us out please because we can do every penny there is now um, so that is that me plugging everything for, for today um, without further ado here's my discussion with me So, folks, uh, today we're talking to Maisie Hatchard. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm, um, I had a bit of a day with Adobe Photoshop. Yeah. They, uh, all the files went a bit bonkers and um, the support were slightly less than helpful. But other than that, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> went to a nice cafe, so that's all. <laughs> How are uh, you? I'm not bad, I'm not bad. It's uh, only one, well... I say early morning, but meant kind of late morning. <laughs> early morning. For me. Late morning. About brunch time. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> you are a Japanese to English translator for the gaming yeah. industry. So, yeah. tell us a little bit about, about your history and how you got into um, doing what you do. Um, so it's kind of a, a long story, which I'll attempt to make short, but um, when I studied Japanese at university, I took a, a course in translation, um, and I don't know whether it was a teacher or whether it was just because I really liked the subject, but I kind of, within a couple of weeks, knew that that's what I wanted to do with my Japanese, mm -hmm. um, and the natural kind of progression of I want to be a translator was, well, what do I want to translate, and I've always loved games, which is actually what got me into Japanese, so games translation was kind of the end goal for a long time. Um, actually getting into Japan and getting into the translation industry, um, I actually started off in a shop that sells glasses, um, which was great Japanese practice in terms of talking to customers every day and learning things in Japanese. And then I moved on from there into the mobile games industry mm. for about a year and a half. Um, I was a sort of project leader type position, so I did a bit of everything really, from game event schedules to social media management to um, support and testing and like UA and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and after my time there, I really wanted to, you know, move more into the translation side of things. Mm -hmm. So I initially got an in-house job in a translation agency um, doing mobile games again, which was really good and I learned an awful lot of stuff. Um, but I think at that point I sort of I'd known I'd wanted to be freelance for a while, yeah. and I was ready to take the step after about six months in the agency, so I did um, in June of last year, actually. So I've been freelance for about eight months now. That's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. That wasn't very short at all, sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, it's fine. You're talking about your history. Um, no, I mean, that's cool, because um, I, I know what it's like to... I mean, I'm writing the game. So I am in the middle of all that kind of thing, but it was cool. the push to do that. I needed yeah. to push myself to do that, and um, because yeah. obviously, you know, it's a risk. You know, you're taking time that could be doing something else into that. I mean, 
What kind of game are you writing? It's a tabletop RPG. It's a fantasy. Yeah. RPG. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's trying to push the traditional RPG mindset out of the way. You know, like the D and D mindset that combat is the be all and end all, but also pushing the, the norms of fantasy worlds out. So. Orcs and goblins, or orc and goblins, um, aren't necessarily evil. Um, oh, cool, okay. Uh, at, at one point in the history of the world, they were tethered to the dark gods, which is why they were evil um, or dark. Right. Um, and then in the last great war, that was severed. So oh. there are good orc and there are bad orc and there are good goblins, bad goblins. Um, and, uh, and also the Eurocentric side of it um, it's kind of ah, yeah, trying okay. to push that away as well so the right. artwork will be you know everyone's different everyone's different uh-huh. so there's parts of the world that one person from a group comes from so their skin's darker than another and also um, there's no like orking and goblin and what have you they don't have green skin or blue skin or to, it's, yeah. it's where yeah. they came from in the world the, the darkness or lightness of their skin, you know, yeah. that determines that. It's, cool. it's I saw um, a post the other day actually along the similar lines that yeah. was um, kind of uh, what if D and D had been drawn with um, African yeah. mythology in mind instead, and it looked really cool. Yeah, I saw so that. I think yeah. Um, I thought. Fully that. support that. Go yeah. for it. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I mean that that that's. I mean right now the <laughs> the, the writers are all. It's, well, it's four white Scottish guys and a um, Graham Barber who does POC Gamer. Um, he right. wrote, he had the idea for the Psionic Bulls, so yeah. you know he's half Scottish, well, so you can enlist a lot of help. Yeah, always, that's it. It, yeah. it. The idea is um, in the future to enlist as much help from yeah. all over the place as yeah. we can. Um, so that's. I mean, that, that sounds really fun actually playing um, good orcs or yeah. good goblins. I'm I'm playing a. Stupid but lovable and loves her own puns. Half orc at the moment <laughs> in one campaign, and she, she talks like this. She's a little bit, you know, slow, mm-hmm. but she laughs at all of her own jokes because they're so funny. <laughs> yeah. She's good fun to play. So. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 good though. That's um, it's it's trying to push all of those things that have become normal uh-huh. and. Kicking them, kicking them right out. I mean, yeah, everything you do, you know, everything you do in the game gains experience. So whether it's talking to somebody and like skills and all the rest of that, even if you fail, you gain experience. So you know, that's completely yeah, different ex- from yeah, yeah. That, that. You know, I've never actually played D and D. Do you gain experience if you fail in D and D? No, no, you okay, have to. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, because it's a while since I've actually played it. And you gain experience at the end of the adventure, and you gain experience from defeating creatures. Um, right. So okay. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, so it's kind of like the Star Wars RPG. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I played some campaigns where um, you you get sort of what are they like compensation points. Mm-hmm. So if you fail a roll, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah. I think I prefer that system. You get something even if you screw up. Yeah. Especially if you RP it well. Yeah. <laughs> well. The, the idea is as well to 
you know, even if you have failed this test, doesn't mean that you haven't, you know, done something like opening a lock. You might have opened the still open the lock, but it's an absolute mess. And somebody will be able to tell for sure that somebody's jimmied it. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's that whole thing. Even in failure, you could still have done what you were trying to do, but just not very well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> when when do you think it'll come out? Um, planning on doing the crowd funding in May next year, and then having Brilliant. it out by out on bookshelves by the August year after. But wow, exciting! But also, oh, it's a long term a long term project. Yeah, long term. Yeah. Child of love. Yeah. I like it. Long term. Well, it's been the world's been around for twenty years, so. It's, it's gone from second edition AD&D and a 3.5, 3 and 3.5 into Pathfinder and played, played in multiple different sets of rules. So. Wow, excellent. Well, hopefully it'll be really well, like the law will be really deep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so, gaming. So how did you start in tabletop gaming? Um, <coughs> so that's actually a friend of mine um, oh gosh, when was it? The end of my so when I just finished mobile games, when I was getting into um, mobile game translation, um, a friend of mine needed someone at a um, board game event store. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were basically like, "Well, I can't do it this weekend. But maybe, maybe you speak Japanese. Do you have time this weekend to go and work for this guy who sells games?" And I was like, "Well, yes, I love." tabletop games anyway um, so I went and basically I think I did two days at his store it was great fun it was like um, they do little tiny matchbox games and it was a circus like themed booth and everything and we were just kind of standing there shouting at people being like oh our game um, yeah. and on that day I well obviously he became sort of one client but I also met another guy um, called Eric from Japanime Games mm-hmm. who um, I don't know, we just got along really well, very quickly, and um, I happened to have two skills that he really needed, which was Japanese and also being able to do graphics, mm-hmm. um, so that I could take a, a whole project on as opposed to just do the translation and then pass the graphics off to somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I started working with him, um, been working with him for about a year and three months now. Sure. Um, so he's my main kind of client, but I also do a lot of indie games. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go to board game markets and just sort of be like hey I translate games your game looks really cool if you want here's my cut <laughs> um yeah so a friend needed a person to fill in for them basically mm. and I sort of fell into it which was really nice that's pretty cool um so you, you say you you love tabletop games how long have you been playing yeah how long have you been playing um, tabletop games so when I was a kid mm. um I lived in Germany for years, uh, which yeah. is obviously kind of you know, like the world hub for board games. Yes. Um, I think the first board game I remember is Labyrinth. You know that one with the tiles where you push other tiles off the board to make your maze and get your treasure? Yeah. And I absolutely loved that game and I played that a lot. I played the game of life with my dad a lot. I played chess with my dad and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Yahtzee. All, you know, all of those like sort of late 80s or, you know, even early 80s games. I would play all of those for a long time. 
um, with my family and then um, I suppose I didn't really play too much during my kind of late teens and early 20s mm-hmm. but then we started getting back into TRPGs mm-hmm. um, me and my husband and he started DMing and so on cool. around maybe three or four years ago mm-hmm. um, and yeah I just sort of rediscovered that the board games have grown a lot since when I was playing mm-hmm. Yahtzee <laughs> yeah um, and just kind of immediately fell back in love with them yeah. so I guess I haven't been playing them my entire life but I had been playing them you know when I was very young and for a while now as well yeah that's cool you tend to find that though you, you tend to find somebody's either a lifer or they started it when playing when they were young and then grew out of it and then came back to it later on so yeah I imagine that's probably true for a lot of people isn't yeah. it ah uh, well yeah a lot of people that you, you talk to they have had periods where they were gamers and then grew out of it unlike me who has been playing <coughs> well, I'm 37 in March, so 32 years almost. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's it's never stopped. It started with my yeah. dad, and then just yeah. I never. I suppose it just depends on kind of the people that you end up with yeah. that are in your sort of teenagers. Yeah. Isn't it really? Social circle was yeah. You know, my, my social circle was quite weird because it was a mix of um, athletes and geeks. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, geeks like myself. Um, to be, f- be fair, some of, yeah. some some of the athletes were geeks too, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I consider myself kind of a mix between the two as well. I absolutely yeah. love extreme sports, yeah. um, but I play games and board games and so on. Yeah. So, yeah, I think my social circle was um, <clears throat> my boyfriend uh, at the time. <laughs> Didn't really have much of a social circle, but he was yeah. a big old gamer, so I. Yeah sort of leaned more into the video games mm-hmm. side of things than the board game side of things for a long time. Cool. Um, so what is your favourite board game? That's God, it. no! Uh, yeah. I should have figured you were going to ask me this question. Yep. I, I have such trouble with favourite song, favourite movie, favourite game, favourite anything. Um, let's go with what I'm playing a lot of at the moment. No <laughs> um, there's a game that I got for Christmas um, also it's really hard because there's so many categories can I yeah. go with categories? Yeah. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I actually really like deck building games yeah. I've discovered that recently um, I've been playing Dominion Online with my little brother mm-hmm. obsessively for a little while um, and I got a Harry Potter deck building game for mm-hmm. Christmas I think it's called Hogwarts Battle and that's pretty fun um, but in terms of like light party games mm-hmm. I really like either Codenames or One Night Ultimate Werewolf oh, love they're probably my two party games to go to Codenames is a good game um, it is it's great I played it at Christmas with my mum about 20 times uh, <laughs> I got it last year before Christmas yeah. and we it played so it good. with loads of people it was it was a friend of mine who got it and took it to the club that we play at we played it and oh, I was yeah. like that's good fun that's that's um, but no. Yeah, I yeah. love code names. It's a brilliant entry game as yeah. well. You know, getting people into kind of the idea of playing a tabletop game. Well, that's it. We played yeah. it with my father-in-law oh, and my mother-in-law. So. Well, there's, there's also a game that um, it's called Summoner's Tactics. It's in mm-hmm. Japanese at the moment. Um, but it's basically a, dry, a dice drafting game. So mm-hmm. you um, roll your dice, get your monsters, um, 
those monsters give you more dice manipulation effects mm-hmm. and then you eventually attack each other but it's pixel art and it's cute and <laughs> it's simple enough that everybody can learn it and yeah. you know, it's just one of those there's i think there's a german game that's really similar um corn and Kiger or something like that i can't remember which is terrible because i'm supposed to speak a little bit of german but <laughs> there's a similar game anyway um yeah. but it's a little lighter than that and it's nice you tend to find that though there's a lot of games that have very similar um, mechanics or um, play playability and, and yeah. they come from completely different places um, yeah. and a lot of the time somebody who has written this game has not played this game you know? it's, a, it's an interesting interesting thing that happens sometimes yeah, um, yeah so uh, I actually had them up. That's annoying. Um, so you mentioned TTRPGs. What kind of TTRPGs have you played? Um, my first one, actually, my very first was a Star Wars um, TTRPG, mm-hmm. which was it wasn't. I think there's three separate ones, mm-hmm. but our GM had taken all three of them and kind of mushed them into his own yeah. um, campaign and right. rule set. So. We played that, God, we played that intensely. It was once a month for about nine hours a day. Yeah. So we'd just go there on a Saturday and play nine hours straight. We wouldn't even take a break or anything like that. Um, it was a very intense way to start. Yeah, <laughs> it And I really liked it um, mm. up until it got to the kind of point where it was like, well, you either have to be a murder hobo or that's it. Yeah. I sort of wanted a bit more RP and it wasn't happening. So... Mm. Um, I think I left that campaign after a little while, maybe six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really great kind of introduction into a very deep rule set and world, and yeah. you know, like physical in terms of um, physical pieces on the table as well. You, we mm-hmm. had um, a giant map and the dice. Oh my goodness, the dice for the Star Wars TRPG is great. <laughs> I, I think I rolled seventeen at one point. And that was my favorite. Um, uh, but I've also played uh, Dungeon World, right. Adam Cobell. Um, and there's a new little one that um, my husband kickstarted mm-hmm. called Cut to the Chase, which mm-hmm. is just a two-player right. one where one of you is being chased and one of you is chasing, and you yeah. kind of get points depending on how far away you manage to get from each other and so on. That's pretty fun. Um, I think that's all the systems I've played. Right. Yeah. The three main, yeah. So the... The Star Wars ones, it sounds a bit like, um, was it the Fantasy Flight? It was the company that did it, um, or do it. Um, so that's three different systems, but it's like, still all Star Wars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's based on the, on the Genesis system, if I remember rightly. And that's quite fun. That's that's quite a fun system, if I remember yeah. right. And... We just had a mini earthquake. Oh, really? Oh, it disconcert me a little bit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> fine. Okay. <laughs> That's a mini earthquake, and it's it's fine. Uh, that would uh, yeah. That would that would uh, kind of freak me out a little bit. Oh, what did it? They never used to freak me out. I no. used to kind of enjoy them. It was like being rocked to sleep. But <laughs> the more I have them, the more I kind of think about how much damage they do, and then I get a little bit more freaked out every time. But yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, so, hey, uh, did you... 
also how oh, I'm trying to think of a, a phrase this question. You know How did you get into TRPGs? Um I got into um RPGs in high school. Fourteen. Oh, yeah. Fourteen. Um no, thirteen actually. Thirteen or fourteen, anyway. Um okay. my friend had the turtles. Uh, RPG from Palladium. Um, Alright. And it was like, you know, what year would that have been? 95? 95, I think. Um, yes, I know. Um, so, you know, turtles were still kind of big then. I know they've had periods where they've been big and what have you, but uh, they were pretty big back then, so we played that uh, and then Hank we, we, we had a fallen out with the guy that was the GM and we, we stopped playing that RPG um, oh, no. and then somebody had D&D, I think it was second, it was second edition of D&D um, so we played that and you know, ever since bar about five years um, yeah. but when I was Five. My dad got me in a tabletop game in full stop, so we played Blood Bowl, and a, a war game, a board game, and <laughs> played RPGs. So uh, I'm yeah. the I'm the full gamut, apart from the card games. I'm not a big fan of card games. Uh, you know. No, I, I don't mind deck building games, but um, mm. like collectible card games put me off. I like um, trading card games, yeah. type things. Yeah. yeah. Not so you're not a Yu-Gi-Oh or a Magic the Gathering fan? No. I, I played Magic the Gathering. I used to play it, but the whole... Oh, yeah. You have to spend ridiculous amounts of money to... Um, you know, have a decent deck. Just yeah, yeah. That's just, true. Um, so I was lucky enough to get into um, TCGs with my friend who had an absurd amount of cards anyway, so he <laughs> just kind of built me a deck and then we started playing. And it was... <laughs> It was one of those lucky situations, you know. So, take me through the the process of translating a game. It's it's from Japanese into English, yeah? Uh Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Well, um, where do I start, I suppose? Um, It depends really how big the game is, first Mm -hmm. of all. Um, But the most important thing that I like to try and do first is obviously try and play the game. Mm -hmm. particularly if I can play the game with somebody that knows the rules already yeah. so either the dev themselves or somebody that's been playing it for a little while mm-hmm. um, get a feel for you know the, the, the kind of game it is but also the, the feeling of the setting and how the how the players are supposed to feel when they're playing it mm-hmm. um, so that when I start translating the rules um, I don't just have the Japanese text itself as a re- reference, I also have kind of you know the the idea of how I should make it sound in English. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if it's a, a game that's kind of mysterious and a little bit playful, mm-hmm. then I would write it very differently from if it's a sort of superhero comic book type game, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'll play the game, and usually I get the files in a humble jumble of PSD. <laughs> so I'll have to sort of deconstruct the Photoshop files to get the text out. Sometimes, um, if I'm not doing the entire game, if I'm just doing the text, I'll get a nice text document, and that's always great. But um, 
yeah, it really depends on sort of the size of the game and the client. Mm-hmm. So for um, Japanime, what I'll do is I'll get my files from the designers, mm-hmm. I'll take out the text, I'll translate it. Um, the main thing to keep in mind, obviously, with um, board games is mm-hmm. consistency. Yeah. So once you've decided on a term, you've got to keep it that way throughout. And then mm-hmm. if you do go and change it, you have to kind of, depending on the software you're using, if you're using Excel, then, you know, find and replace, or if I'm using a translation software, I'll um, use the terminology function in there. But just, like, really keeping on top of all the kind of the way that you phrase things and make mm-hmm. sure it's consistent and the yeah. words that you use and so on. Yeah. Then um, once that's done, I can send it through an editor and a translation checker just mm-hmm. to make sure everything is right, you know, like I haven't written um, two cards when it's meant to be three cards, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, I've actually found errors in people's games before, you know, I'd be like, well, this is inconsistent, which, is it? Is it seven cards or eight cards for this mm-hmm. particular move, you know? <laughs> And they'll be like, oh, shoot, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Next edition um, will fix that. Yeah. So, once it's gone through the editing and the translation checker, then at that point, um, depending on the game, I'll either send it back to the designer and be like, here you go, you can pop it in your um, uh, rulebook now. Mm-hmm. Or um, I'll put it in the rulebook myself, which is the case with the game I'm working on today. Um, and find new Photoshop errors that I didn't know existed before. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, taking the interesting thing about taking the um, text and putting it in the PSD myself is that English pretty much always ends up longer than the Japanese. Yeah. So, rearranging the whole page to fit the English is, is one facet of it, but also sometimes there are cases where it might make more sense to have the English a little further along mm-hmm. in the text than the Japanese. So, for example, if the Japanese says, like, the following things are what you do after X point, mm-hmm. after X point, then this happens, and then it tells you the following three things, but in English it would make sure, it would, pardon me, make more sense to say, do the following three things, the three things, and then after the following, after the three things that we've just said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's also kind of paying attention to what's a more natural way to read things in English yeah um, so it's all kind of interesting things and then um, once that's all done I get to send it over to factory um, get the colour proofs back mm-hmm. just to make sure everything's kind of you know set right and then mm-hmm. we've got samples and um, then the actual final product gets printed and it's the most exciting thing when there's like a little a box mm-hmm. and it's a thing that you've made and it's something you've done yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. Then you get to play it with all your friends that don't speak yeah. Japanese. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's it. And I, you know, you've done this. This is something you've done. I mean, I mean yeah. And I, I know it's probably a completely different thing, but see, the first time we completed the first um, playtest version of the rules, I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, this is something you've done." There yeah. were so many errors, and there's still so many errors. That <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Oh, you go back and proofread your work and you're like, did I write this at two in the morning or something? <laughs> well, I, I think I edited the second version um, before it went up at about four o'clock in the morning and I realised oh, that nice. there's two pages introdu- the introduction is on twice. I didn't realise <laughs> it until it was already up and I'm like, mm, that's not helpful. 
And then, oh, well, you know, make sure they really know how to introduce the game. Well, no, it was, it was just our, our introduction to the game, and, you know, that, 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 that was twice, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, it's funny what kind of things crop up. Yeah, I mean, we, even though we have everything, like all the sections in separate files, I still managed to do it twice. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Uh, Translate once, edit twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as I was saying, you trying to, trying to um, get the. It's, it's not completely Gaelic, but there, there is Gaelic, or Gaelic. Even I'll get shot for calling it Gaelic, because um, English, um, Irish is Gaelic, Scots is Gaelic. But oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I heard both pronunciations, but I didn't yeah. realise it was. Um, yeah, I thought one was just the way the, like it was either said wrong or. No, no, no. That's yeah. it, as as. Um, Pardon my ignorance. No, no, that's all right. Most people don't. Most people, most people do call it Gaelic rather than Gaelic. Um, oh, right. okay. But I will still get shot for calling it Gaelic because <laughs> uh, it's not Gaelic; it's Scots. Uh, Scots Gaelic. So you're putting some of that in yeah, your in the game. So trying to fit it and trying to make sure that that is actually how it's translated, um, because right. parts of a sentence will be as you expect it to be. So you know, at, around like um, the orientation of the words. But other, but other bits, you know, um, I'm just trying to think of. Uh, uh, so, um, soldier will be before something, or and and then another sentence will be after it. So, uh-huh. it just depends on how you're, you know, the composition of the words that determine the orientation of the word so that's weird right um, I don't know whether I'm explaining that well enough but do you mean like entirely in Gaelic yeah so yeah so the order changes depending the order, on order changes dependent on the combination of the words I think ah okay 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 yeah I see yeah. what you mean yeah. that's interesting that's sort of similar to Japanese because yeah. <laughs> um, Japanese is quite modular you can change up the order as well yeah it's as, as I said to you before, uh, I've learned it occasionally, and or uh, learned bits of it, and then went like, this is... My brain doesn't work with languages. It's, I, I've, I've tried French, I've tried German, I've tried Czech, i tried Mandarin, and I've tried... Oh, you did. Well, that's a hard language to try and, and learn if you're... And then I tried... And also I've tried my own native tongue. And I still kind of get yeah. it, so it's like, mm, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. Kind of the thing I like about Japanese is that it's pretty, as I said, modular, but y- mm. you can start, I mean, learning the scripts is time consuming, but there's mm-hmm. two simple scripts to learn, and then once you've learned that, you can, you've got kind of, you know, like a bouncy platform to go off of already, mm. and then, mm. I don't know, it's not an easy language to learn no. by far, but it is definitely, no. um, it's got clear steps from yeah. where to go. Well, who was it? My cousin. She speaks Chinese, and right. but she also not Chinese. And she speaks a couple of different variants of Chinese. Oh. And she's like, see, once you learn that, it's it's, it's easy enough to learn 
other languages and other ones that are similar and you know yeah absolutely so I spent a little while learning Korean as well. I don't remember any of it now, but no. um, I took it for a university module, and the grammar was so very similar that it was, you know, it went in a lot easier than the first time I learned Japanese. Mm. <laughs> but it also went out a lot easier. So. Yeah. Well, that's it. See, see, unless you're actually using something, yeah, you, your brain just forgets it. I mean, I'm, I've got a, a DP in computer networking, and half the stuff I can't remember. Yeah, I'm Cisco qualified and I don't remember it at all. I'm like, see, see all the stuff that I know really well, I can mm. do it blindfolded. I, I, I can do it by touch. Memory. I can literally go into the system and fix it. And people look at me and go, how can you fix that? But you can't fix this stupid little problem. It's like... It's, <laughs> It's because it's just the muscle memory, I yeah, that's it. That is exactly what it is. It's muscle memory. It's like anything else that you've done hundreds and hundreds of times. It's just yeah. muscle memory. It's like I mean, um, some of the rule sets that I played. If I haven't played them in forever, I can still play them because I played them so many times. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm finding the same thing with German. Um, so I used to speak it fluently as a child, but mm-hmm. I didn't use it when I came back to the UK. So mm-hmm. I forgot most of it, and I'm sort of doing language exchange with a, a German-speaking friend mm-hmm. at the moment. And out of nowhere, I'll just remember a piece of vocabulary or half of a sentence, yeah. and I'll just get really excited because I have no idea where that memory's come from. <laughs> but it was there. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 it. Oh, when it's stuck deep in your mind, you can pull it all yeah. out. And, yeah. So. What's, what's been your favourite? Well, happens with even rules. Mm. Well, what's been your favourite game to translate? Oof. Uh, oh. Okay, so I've actually just done a new one, and he's asked me not to speak about it for a little while, mm-hmm. um, at least until he's kind of ready to announce it. But mm-hmm. it's um, a small indie game, so I'll, I don't know, maybe give you an addendum to add later on. But um, it was beautifully written. Mm-hmm. The the story itself. Often I find with Japanese prose, maybe I'm just reading the wrong prose, but it's it's not beautifully written. It's mm-hmm. sort of it's a bit stale. Mm-hmm. I don't know, static feels a bit kind of you know lumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read through this and started translating it, it was written really nicely, mm-hmm. and um, the cards as well. They've each got individual names and. Um, you know, in terms of, like, names of the character. Mm-hmm. And translating those is such a lot of fun because they're, they're not just names, they're kind of pieces of language yeah. put together and, and dealt with in a, in a way that's not usually done for a name. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out a way to put that into English was just incredibly fun. It was kind of like translating Pokemon names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, I imagine that would have been fun. For, for yeah, so that was. I think that's been my favourite game to translate so far, and actually the the art itself as well is really pretty. So um, I'll give you a shout when that's finished and yeah. give you some of the highlights. But yeah, so one cool. of the most recent ones, I would say, mm. is my favourite. And cool. um, I've seen that you did the new translation for uh, the Five Rings. How did that? Come oh about? yeah. How did that come about? Yeah, that's um. That was last sort of August I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it's been a little while to come out but yeah that was a very interesting project that was tough (laughs) so as you can probably imagine you know writing games and even you know mobile games and board games they're Mm -hmm. in a whole different league of writing from um, normal prose or whatever but this is um, I mean obviously it's modernised Japanese but it Mm -hmm. was Japanese from a guy that lived in the 1600s and wow were the sentences long and sometimes the subject was missing and Mm -hmm. you know there was an awful lot to try and figure out but uh, what was really nice was I had so much freedom Mm -hmm. and actually they they wanted the reason that they were happy for me to do it is because I do do games Mm -hmm. so I know how to make things readable and accessible for a wide variety of well you know players but readers um so what they wanted me to do basically the the idea of the book was so that I could write it without the need for footnotes Mm -hmm. so everything that you want to read or need to read is within the text itself and it's more of a it sort of it's more of a readable translation than a a 1600s this is my samurai book that I've written on how to use two swords and you as my pupil will study it and learn it's more kind of like a flowing through philosophy Mm -hmm. and sword technique but also still as faithful as I could make it yeah um there's a few embellishments here and there you know where there's an adjective added made the sentence more interesting I've Mm -hmm. popped in sort of you know superficial adjectives or where there is a weirdly obscure reference to something I've just sort of added why it happens in the text and so on and yeah it was really fun to do but also I I learned a lot about you know sort of different ways to translate Mm -hmm. because there's obviously there's the really faithful way to translate where you Mm -hmm. just do the the text itself Mm -hmm. and that was my first kind of go through of it and then after that I went through again and read it and kind of went yeah this is a bit boring to read this is dry I'll add something here oh this reference doesn't actually make sense unless you have a footnote so I'll Mm -hmm. put something in there yeah it was a a good exercise in localization versus translation I think Mm -hmm. which was yeah, because you, you, I don't, I don't know what what it is, but see some stuff that you get, it's translated, so it is completely like it's an absolute perfect translation, but you can't understand the word that is trying to, can't yeah. can't understand what they're trying to get across. You're like, yeah, that's not helpful. Um, <laughs> I I often think about back to my university classes where when we would translate in my very first and second year. Mm-hmm. Um, the teachers were marking us on our understanding of the Japanese in mm-hmm. translation so our translations had to be if it was ingrammatical in English it didn't matter ungrammatical ungrammatical I don't know um, it didn't matter as long as the, the Japanese was perfectly translated and mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah there's a, a lot of times where the translation versus localization argument comes up and I'm like well <laughs> maybe they're still in their second year I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Um, how did you get from digital game design to Japanese? That's, that's, that, see, when I saw your your um, education, I was like, how do you, how do you get from there to there? <laughs> so um, it's a little random. At eighteen, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, yeah. um, and I was kind of tossing up between 
Japanese biology and games design. Mm-hmm. Um, the games design mostly because that was one of my hobbies, and yeah. I didn't really know what else to. Like, I looked at all, you know, I looked through all the brochures, and they were all well. These are courses I could do, but then games design sounded fun, so mm-hmm. I probably would have done Harry Potter studies if that was available to me. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, so the reason I actually chose games design is kind of lame. Um, my boyfriend at the time was going to this one particular university mm-hmm. and they offered games design so I decided I would go with him because I didn't know what to do and mm. I had nothing better to do so I went there um, then that course actually turned out to be abysmal it was a media course mm-hmm. with a little bit of HTML in there <laughs> a little bit of JavaScript uh, very little games design um, we actually ended up so me and my now husband actually mm-hmm. ended up leaving uh, so did a lot of the other peoples um, and we we didn't sue them exactly because it's not America but we um, got our coursework fees and our living fees for the two for the one and a half years reimbursed mm-hmm. um, and at that point I kind of went well games design didn't work out the other option was Japanese um, I actually went for a brief stint in the circus in between those two universities but that's another story um, <laughs> so I went for Japanese <laughs> you, you opt for the circus that's it <laughs> That's got yeah. to be a that's got to be a good story. <laughs> it was a very short lived brief stint in the circus, but it was good fun. Yeah. That that that's that's a story to, for for the future. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, that's, that's interesting though. Yeah, I'm, it's, I have as I said, I've done a computer networking degree and some of the stuff that was in it is like, why in the hell is this here? Yeah. Why why right. on earth? Have you got this? I mean, HTML and JavaScript and a computer networking degree. Is like, when the hell am I ever going to use HTML yeah. and JavaScript in my job? Yeah. Ever? It's rubbish. We had, like, make a documentary. Mm. And we're like, well, I mean, you could sort of vaguely maybe link this to cinematics and story creation, but mm. they didn't. And that was where it really fell down. Anything we did yeah. wasn't linked at all to games design or even game art or level design or anything like that. Yeah, that sounds like they were trying to get students in and... They were, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we asked um, the course leader in one of the meetings that we were having about the terribleness of the course. Mm -hmm. We asked him, okay, so if I wanted to know the aspects of what I need to think about for making a platforming game, Mm -hmm. what would you you say to me? You know, how how are you going to curate your lessons to this kind of level of detail and he said and I quote well I'd probably go home watch a few YouTube videos and then summarise it for you Jesus (laughs) Um, at that point we were like right (laughs) well I mean back back the first time I did my HNC I was going to because I've done it twice um, because I had to redo it um, I was going to go to Paisley Uni well, it was Paisley at the time, now University of West of Scotland, which is where I got my degree. Um, they did a game design course, and it's like, fuck me, this is actual game design, this is not, you sit. Because all the other computer courses had the same first year, if I remember yeah. it, computer science, and everyone else had the same, and they actually went straight in. It's like, this is how you... This is how you design a game. This is yeah. this is the codes you use. All the, the and you're like, and they had a test room, which was 
um, huge. There, I, can't, I could tell you how many computers was in that were in that room, and they had students at the university test the game. Nice. Um, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Was, yeah, there's so many ways to do it right, and that university just did not. <laughs> yeah, and that that was amazing. And then I was like, I don't have the. I don't have the skills to do that course. I'm going to do networking. Screw it. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So it's good. I have to. Yeah. Got oh. Money doing networking. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. If you can do it right. <laughs> There's if, that. If, if you can get a job in it, that's that's the difficult thing nowadays. Because so many people, it? so so many people have got computer um, networking. Or yeah. I guess market flooding. The market's flooding. It's like engineers now. Yeah. Engineers are apparently all the rage at the moment. Yeah. Everyone's going to be an engineer next yeah. generation. Yeah, but that, that's it. You know, the market's flooded, so they pay like entry level pay for people that have got four years experience and stuff. You know, like, oh, that's a shame. I've not got enough experience. Cheers. Um, so again, one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing um, uh-huh. is, is to make money and, and make 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 my own fortune through myself. That's, that's, yeah. That's, I mean that's what you sometimes have to do, but um, yeah. and it sounds like you're going to make a game that will hopefully uh, change the way we kind of look at things a yeah. little bit as well, which would be great. Well, the the idea with it as well is when we start, you know, you you send it, you, you sell it in English, obviously, but you go into markets that like India or South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Samoa, you know, um, the Philippines, places where they speak English, mm-hmm. but are not traditionally um, advertised to. You don't, you know. I mean, that a lot of places in Africa speak English. It's the language, yeah. so you're like, well, why not sell to them? You know. Yeah. No, that the whole idea is well, not just sell to them, you know, yeah. represent the, exactly them represent and everybody that's underrepresented in yeah. a um, community that everyone enjoys. But yeah. Yeah. That, that that's the whole idea behind it is to make it a global thing. And, yeah, and you know, bring bring yeah, people together, bring people together. That's that's the that's the idea. Um, yeah, well, that's the point of TRPGs, right? Yeah. As well, you know, have everyone together. Yeah, but is it also, it is the better, I think. It's lovely. Also, having it translated into German and French and Spanish when we first oh, start. So out. it's going to be played widely. Yeah, well, that's that's it. Well, um, one of the guys in the group, the writers, his wife's French, and mm-hmm. one of one of our group of players is German as well. So it's like, well, we have people who speak the language natively yeah. and you know it's harder yeah. for them to get into the games because obviously they've got to translate into English from when they're reading it and it's like well, why yeah. not just just have that out at the beginning okay. um, and then obviously trying to get it translated into Japanese and, and, yeah. and, and make sure you credit your translators we oh yeah that. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a thing a lot of people have said to me about the art, you know, yeah. go to this place and that place and the next place and get people who are, are, are willing to do it for free. It's like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able right. to pay the artists because yeah, yeah, yeah. the best way to get their best work 
is to pay them what they need, pay them what they want. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, pay them a living wage. Yeah. Pay them more than a living wage, really. Yeah. Especially that, if it's a freelancer. Yeah. You need living wage for a freelancer is quite high because you've got all of the things that you don't get with. Um, on your own, you know, you don't get the security of kind of health insurance and, I mean, I suppose it's irrelevant for the UK, but um, no, maybe health insurance right and now. taxes taken out of your pay and yeah. travel and, you know, all of those things that are out of pocket for a freelancer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's it. Um, you know, when people all get prices for artists and art, I'm like, why? Mm. They're asking £50, 50 pound for this piece of art that looks like I mean I've been trying to do some art myself and I was like that's too little for what work they're putting there so yeah you know what the yeah. frack are you complaining about um, yeah yeah I mean, honestly it's, it's definitely um, for some people until the, until you make it sort of more well known or make it big you know you end up living on yeah. just what a saturated market will pay and that's yeah. not very much sometimes no well that, that's um it was it Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Dixon, um, who's doing swaps for the Afro Punk RPG? Um, he's the what you know. He's the you know. He did these Kickstarter so people could they could get art and make people money, not just themselves but other people. You know, people. Yeah, that that's open. a good thing about crowdfunding, isn't it? That does mean you can pay yeah. everybody but a fair wage, which is really nice. But I mean, that's the thing. He was looking at stuff, and people were going, "Oh, this amount of money." And he's like, "Really? That little?" <laughs> it's like, okay. he's like, "I'll, I'll yeah. give you a wee bit extra." Just, but that—I mean, that's that is my main goal with that. But you know, yeah, it's a good dream. I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so, what year is this? Twenty twenty. Um, August. Twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Just about. 2022 2022 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. uh, that's actually hard to say huh? it is it's very hard um, it's a tongue twister um, so you, you work in a shop other than as a translator yeah oh so yeah um, when I was in my in-house position I had mm-hmm. a lot of free time so I spent a lot of time looking up um, pros and cons of being a freelancer and mm-hmm so on and so forth and obviously one of the things that a lot of people spoke about was the loneliness because you primarily work from home or some people work from a co-working office but if you can't afford to go um, work from a co-working office because they do charge you quite a lot Mm -hmm. um, then you're just sort of at home and if you have a pet that's cool if you have plants I guess that's the next best thing but um, I read yeah that the loneliness kind of not great and I'm also a very social person mm-hmm. and I don't tend to speak Japanese to myself so I wanted something that allowed me to practice Japanese mm-hmm. on a regular basis and would mean that I don't spend every single day at home yeah. so when I was looking for something that could be as relevant as it could be to board game translation um, I realised that board game cafe is kind of perfect so yeah every week or like once or twice a week I do a short shift at um, one of Tokyo's sort of main board game cafe chains called Jelly Jelly Cafe mm-hmm. and I do about five hours in a day um, recommend games to people explain rules uh, yeah. get horribly embarrassed by my lack of Japanese vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> um, stroke 
like all the games on the shelves, <laughs> write, write tweets about how we're open and no one's here yet, please come play games with me. <laughs> it's actually really good fun, especially like this other Monday, it wasn't a holiday, it wasn't a three day weekend, there was nothing special about it, but the shop was full during the day on a Monday and that was the rarest thing, but it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of rules to explain that day, it was good. It's <laughs> good. Um, so how do you feel find working in, in a shop? Cause it, it, obviously it's um, not not the normal kind of shop, but um, I, know, I, know, I know a lot of people that work in retail, myself included, cannot stand mm-hmm. it sometimes. But That's the nice thing about it, so I, I totally know what you mean by the can't stand the retail thing, because when I first came to Japan I worked full time in retail, mm-hmm. uh, 45 hours a week, and oh lord, that was... Uh, a time of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. but this time because it's just one or two shifts a week yeah. um, of five hours it's not even a full shift uh, it's really great actually mm. I go I do a little bit of therapeutic cleaning <laughs> wipe down the windows sweep a little bit take some pictures to put on Twitter if there's no customers or if there are customers I get to chat a little bit maybe play some games sometimes with them um, so really it's, it's really chill and you know kind of exactly what I wanted to do it's no it's not a stressful situation at all that's good that's good Um, because I'm not doing it for the the money at that point it it is literally like they pay a thousand yen an hour which is about seven pounds whereas that's you know that's significantly below what I need to earn hourly as for my for my freelance wage so it's there's no pressure in that regard it's just I'm here because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's the, that's the the whole loneliness thing when you're working from home and you're doing your own thing. I completely get that because obviously yeah. I, I do it. Um, yeah. I, I'm obviously not getting paid money at the moment for it, but you know, it is part of part of my life is trying to yeah. find things to keep myself sane. I do have a dog, yeah. um, but I, you know I work part time as a bouncer. Um, As a what, sorry? Uh, the door security bouncer. Oh, the, right. the man on the door. Um, which is something I've done on and off for 20 years, almost. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So That's I know there's... quite a good bounter. Oh, God, I can't speak English anymore. Bounter. That's what I'm going to ask you for. Yeah. <laughs> bounter in that kind of position, yeah. isn't it? So that, that gives you a bit of a social interaction. Yeah. Um, outside of, you know... Obviously, when I go to game, I'm gaming with people that I know, so that's good. But it's also the, you know, the the job that I do is strangers. I mean, there are regulars, and for the most part, they're annoying. Um, <laughs> I've I've had conversations about the the um the regulars on with other people, and it's like really, really, I can't stand. Them. But that's beside the point. Um, yeah, so it gives you that social interaction. It also gives you an interaction with people that you don't know. So it's, it, it makes, um, I think it'll make selling the game a lot easier. Because yeah. obviously, when you go to um, Essen, which, you know, you know, there's the big German board gaming convention, going oh, yeah. to Gen Con, yeah, yeah. going to go all, Con, all yeah. the big game conventions, you will have five minutes. To convince people to pick up your game, yeah, um, if even that couple of minutes, and I think 
going back to doing that while I'm doing this and while I've got it it's, it's me working out the best um, selling spiel for um, the game you know obviously I'm going to have to uh, have. Uh, I don't know whether or not I'll have to have somebody that can translate German for me going to Essen, but um, mm, yeah. Well, I'm learning my German, so you know, give me a call in <laughs> six months or so, and I'll see if I can. Help well, you I'll out. be um, <laughs> not not this year. But, but I mean, probably I, next I year. think you'll be a lot. Um, you'll be fine because um, most Germans speak a lot yeah. of English, actually. Anyway, that's that's it, and that's most, most places in the world they speak. English is born one of their um, uh, other languages. That's, yeah. I mean, the Dutch. Uh, I um, Many years ago, I went on holiday down to Devon and we had some Dutch people down there and they spoke English better than I do. Yeah, um, yeah we used to have Dutch neighbours as well. Yeah. And yeah. it was really fun actually going around their house because um, Dutch has a little bit of German in it. So every now yeah. and again I would understand a word and it would feel good. <laughs> but yeah, I do wish the um, the British school system had more of a focus on um, second language learning yeah. because yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, it's just good for the brain, I think. Yeah. And then good for later in life because you can go on holiday and speak something. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I started learning French in primary six, mm. which was when I was nine. I think nine or ten. So you know, you learn that for a couple of years, then go on to cut school, and then you only do that for four years. In yeah, school. but you don't even really do it. It's like no. an hour a week, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how much it is and how intense language lessons are in other countries, but an hour a week for some teens that don't really want to be there is not enough. Well, um, at least when I was in school in Scotland, you did two hours um, in primary school um, hmm. like an hour before lunch and an hour after lunch once a week right. um, it right. was once a week I, but, you know. yeah. I didn't even have languages in primary school and then, I think if I did my German would be a lot of that better now than it was and then same in oh. primary 7 but then when you went to high school you did three periods a week so wow. three hours a week but it's still not enough. Still not. Because no. you've forgotten half of what you were meant to be doing by the next day, time you're in. Because normally it was a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. And on a Friday, you just want to go home. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then on a Monday, you've, you've forgotten to do your homework anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, or the reason that I've not done my homework is because I've been in. Um, in wrestling practice or I've been in kickboxing or I've been in boxing and it's like yeah, I can't yeah. I, I don't have fucking time to do this or I've been playing rugby or something that has completely unfocused me from um, school work and it's like yeah I was no good in high school um, because when I first started high school like when I went and chose my subjects I was wanted to be a surgeon, so I was. Oh wow! Uh, but uh, I developed tremors in my hands, so. Oh no! Okay. Yeah, it yeah. was like okay, I have now chosen my subjects for what is meant to be my degree, and I can't yeah. do my degree anymore. And I didn't want to be a GP. 
I, I, I wanted. Weirdly, it wasn't to save people's lives. It was because, you know, I wanted to do something that was intricate, and you had to be the best in your game to, to, you know, succeed and, and keep people alive. But you know, uh, yeah, that that was the whole reason behind it, and I didn't think being a GP was that kind of intense. Competition, I think, was probably the big thing behind it. Right. Um, obviously, I've grown at that now, somewhat. Um, <laughs> Someone. Someone was a little bit competitive, yeah. I think. So, yeah, I mean, that just put the... I really don't want to be in school anymore, I mean. It was terrible in school. Always. I can't remember what I wanted to be when I was that age. Yeah. I think I took statistics because I fancied my stats teacher... <laughs> I took biology because I fancied my biology teacher. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I took biology because it was sort of the most interesting of the sciences I've done yeah. so far. Uh, I took English because I don't know. I don't know why I took English. You had to take English. Liked it. What was this, I suppose? I liked reading. Didn't take literature though, I took language, which worked out well for me anyway because I'm yeah. a writer now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. Starts biology and English, kind of had my bases covered. <laughs> well, in Scotland, you had to do English, maths, and a language, and a social study, and then the rest of them you were got to choose mm-hmm. yourself. So mine's were in third year. I did English, maths, French, and geography, which oddly. Mm-hmm. Uh, was my hat oh yeah I took history as well was, that was fun I really should have taken history I really should have yeah, taken history um, PE studies because I thought well, oh, I'll yeah. get to do PE <laughs> a lot um, and then physics and chemistry right because I get told physics and chemistry were the best ones for oddly for being a doctor I was like what about biology oh you'll learn about biology later but having physics and chemistry will be better for you okay interesting okay, well. um, I, would, I would agree with chemistry but uh, physics I don't mm, know learning how the inside of a refrigerator works is going to make you a better surgeon mm. <laughs> yeah I know I was like mm, okay I'll, I'll, I'll take but your advice it's good anyway yeah I mean the thing is with physics is it's numbers I mean everything about physics is numbers so mm-hmm. The, the fact that I'm good with numbers kind of helped but at the same time yeah. mm, I'm not always good with numbers that's the weird thing I'm, I'm good with <laughs> numbers sometimes when, it, when it's something that's interesting I'm good with numbers but um, I'm good with money numbers but I'm not good with normal numbers mm, I'm not good with money numbers money numbers or I've got money oh I don't have money oh shit <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's the main important thing uh, have you ever um, got into like kind of wargaming, like Warhammer or Warhammer 40k or something? Like that? No, I never did. Um, no. That was, first of all, I guess, not something that girls were taught that they were allowed to do mm. um, when I was younger. Um, so honestly, I didn't even know it was a thing. No. Um, I mean, I I don't know if I 
would have been into it mm-hmm. even if I you know had that access to that kind of thing mm. um, my dad did love to paint models and so mm-hmm. on and I used to do um, cars actually I would ba- make model cars with my dad mm-hmm. Uh, little um, Formula One ones actually mm-hmm. I had a lot of toy cars when I was a girl um, so I'd make those models so I think perhaps if it was something I could have done with my dad yeah. it would have been something I got into but um, yeah I, I never did get into it and mm-hmm. then um, now it just doesn't really appeal to me too much yeah. in terms of the art form itself yeah. um, as for the actually playing mm-hmm. I have no idea how it even Find a lot of people are like me that they, they fit in one little thing, or if they do do more than one, like um, obviously tabletop gaming, as in board games and RPGs, then they'll do everything. It, it's, right. it's, it's weird um, the way that it works because it's, it's like RPGs as well. Normally, you'll find somebody either does one single RPG, like D&D, or they'll do any and every RPG that they can get their hands on um, it's weird the, the, when you talk to people and well, obviously doing the podcast and talking to people more people in the industry because of the game yeah, you kind of get that weird I, I don't know how to put it mm. um, yeah that's, that's you, you get the weird there are two ca- kinds of people <laughs> type thing. and then there's the outliers that Oh no, I play this and that, but I don't play this because I've never got into that. Mm. And you're, you're like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, it's definitely going to be realised, like you know, your standard deviation of people. But yeah. I imagine if the, the people that play just kind of one religiously, uh, I'm making a huge assumption, but I guess that they'd be playing something that has a really deep lore and yeah. a huge amount of content already, and that's why they haven't felt the need to branch out yet because yeah. they. They have everything they need in one place, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's what you tend to think. Well, uh, um, either that, or they've spent a lot of money on it already, and they just yeah. don't have money to do it. No, <laughs> well, Games Workshop. That, that's 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 the one thing of Games Workshop that you always find people spend a shitload of money on it, and they're like, yeah, no, 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 not spending any more money on anything else. Um. I think I've run out of questions. I've run out of questions. Um, anything um, you are... Oh, oh, if you could play a role, a, a, a game that you've n- from the past that isn't available anymore, would, what would you like to try? A game from the past that isn't available anymore? Um, I hear Netrunner is out of print and mm-hmm. I haven't played that before. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to try playing that. That's... That's that. That's one that a lot of people that I've known have played. That they're like, oh, it's really awesome. And yeah, right. I've heard that it's really, really good, but yeah. it's out of print, so I can't buy myself a copy. Um, yeah. I do have it in Japanese at my cafe, but mm-hmm. I've never had the opportunity to get it out with someone. So, and yeah. <laughs> um, that that was the thing that a lot of people really liked about it was it wasn't it, it was decentralized, so it wasn't um, American. Based or it wasn't 
European based or anything like that. It was it was you know, it was spread out around yeah. the world, which I think was one of its broadest appeals. Right. To, to people. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. That's something about Dominion is it's very white. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, you know, medi- medieval yeah, well, that, that, that's that's the thing when you actually start getting into the the whole medieval thing. It's like there were a lot of people of colour in Europe at the time, yeah. and you're like, true, mm. true. I imagine yeah. there were. Why is a lot yeah. of this just white people? Mm. No, I am I am about as white as white can be, but even I go <laughs> I, I I question that. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, that, that you actually read all this history and you're like. But then people use the oh well it's based like for games, um, for them being all white and all that. well that's what it was like. It's like no, it wasn't. Yeah, how do you know either? I'm mm. sorry. <laughs> like, there's already proven that we have whitewashed so much of history and just got mm. rid of so many influential people of color from any history textbook or mm. you know anything that we teach our kids. Mm. Um, so really. You know, unless you're going to go do a study about exactly the percentage of white people versus people of colour in mm. medieval times, you can't say shit, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have I have my Decentralized term. Decentralised. Yeah. I, I have my term for the edits. It's cast iron tax gone, and it's it it doesn't mean anything unless you actually know like Scotch slang and uh-huh. and stuff, and it's like. Mm-hmm. You're a fucking idiot. That, that's that's just that's it. That is, it's, it's calling them an idiot without them actually understanding it much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually got it on t-shirts. But nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, um, one thing I think um, I f- I forgot to say about the translation process of board games mm-hmm. um, is there's a lot of stuff that is still not acceptable in Japan, mm-hmm. but gets past people's filters mm-hmm. and into their games mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily need censoring mm-hmm. exactly but could do with a, lo- a heavy localization if you see what I mean mm-hmm. so um, you know naming that a one black character in your game something brown mm-hmm. or um, making a 15 year old wear not very many clothes mm-hmm. or I mean there are some things that you just kind of have to have that extra layer of like hang on a minute (laughs) that doesn't work for the rest of the world yeah yeah it's interesting because I didn't I didn't realise that that would be in board games because it's obviously in mobile games um, it's a well known fact and you know in anime Mm -hmm. probably and you know console games as well but then I came to the board games just sort of not expecting it and then finding it anyway and I was a little bit like oh Oh, oh. <laughs> that needs fixed. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, process there is just making sure that there are things that, if they flow under the designer's radar, they don't flow under mine. Yeah, well, that's. I suppose that's that's why you're there, isn't it? To make sure that it, the localization is, as um, as right, you know, as right, mm. or as <laughs> it fits for this. Well, yeah. it's humanly decent, as I yeah. like to say. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find the words for it. Not sound a wee bit weird, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's it, innit? Um, 
fitting into the wider world rather than like an, an old world kind of. Yeah. Yeah. What what you used to be able to get away with for some people, um, and some people wish they could still get away with, um, rather than what is acceptable. Yeah. It's an interesting topic because there's always that balance between, you know, like, it, I mean, it's the same with the actual translation itself. There's mm-hmm. people that will go, oh, you translated this word as something that's far too loose for my understanding of this word in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, well, it fits the context better. Shut up. Yes. But <laughs> it happens with art and games as well, you know, um, trying to, there's always the balance of, I guess One Piece is a great example of taking the the cigarettes, turning them to lollipops, making the guns pop guns. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps that kind of thing is a little far, mm-hmm. um, but finding that sort of sweet balance between not exposing kids that are going to consume your media to, yeah. you know, horribly half-naked, twisted-back girls, and but at the same time staying true to the original art and what the entire... Like, uh, um, intent of the actual content was, etc. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like going back in to my collection of um, older RPGs and looking at mm. some of the art, and you're like, that person's very scantily clad. You wouldn't get away with that these days at all, because well, a um, you look at the armor and you go, yeah, that wouldn't protect them one bit. <laughs> I know. That's the thing that bothers me. I don't mind scantily clad as long as it's everybody and every like anyone and everybody is scantily clad. Fine, but when you start making armor that's just not going to protect, it's just not practical at that point. No. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, you really need to have your characters naked. Have an alternate art section. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, again, looking at when, when you're doing um, research and you look at. Armor. Yes, there aren't huge numbers of examples of women's armor in history, but when you look at it, it just looks like men's armor. There's, there's uh-huh. very fucking little difference between women's armor and men's yep. armor. Obviously, there's, there's there's proportions that are a little bit different, but yeah, the chest but you don't need the, like boob slots. Yeah. That's not really a thing. That's just going to direct the sword, if anything. Yeah. The, a, a chest plate is a fucking chest plate. It looks the same no yep. matter who's wearing it. It's just a bit deeper. Honestly, yeah. if I was going to be running into battle, I don't have the biggest chest, but I would be taping those titties as far into my chest as I could possibly manage yeah. so that they don't flap around everywhere under my arm and get bruised. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to need that that big old chest area for something that you've already probably bound to your chest as much as you can. Yeah. It's a bit um, nuts. Yeah. It's, it's the weirdness. I mean, it's just the weirdness of... Of yeah. the history of, I mean, the old boys club mentality yeah. that is prevalent in yeah. RPGs and gaming over the years. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, okay, stop, please. It's nice though. It's definitely changing. Yeah. Um, insofar as you know, um, representation and inclusivity and so on, mm. it's definitely getting there. Got a long way to go. Yes. But, um, yes. Yes. Well, that's 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 for certain. Um, yeah. Even just you know, in the last couple of years, I feel like there's more 
awareness of everything. Yeah. I'm having more conversations with more people about um, things, especially like you know, open conversations with um, people of my parents' generation. You know, yeah. that previously would have scoffed at any kind of equality or anything like that. Yeah. Um, now we're starting to look at it a little bit differently. Maybe they're going senile. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Well, yeah, some of, the, some of the conversations with my dad that, you know, I couldn't have ten years ago, I can yeah. have now. It's like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's like, and I think the people, you know, of our age and younger that are sort of growing up and growing in confidence are yeah. more able to speak out and make their point heard when mm. they see something that shouldn't be as it is, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> my age, early millennial. That's what I am, an early millennial. <laughs> I, I miss the previous generation by about two years. Like, okay. When does millennial start? What uh, year is it? 81, I think. So I'm 83. Oh, okay. Um, I know, okay. So because. When did it end? 80, uh, 97 or something, was it? I can't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. So, you know, when people call people, when the older generation call people millennials, they're like 18, 19, like they're not millennials. They were born in the new millennium, but they're not millennials. Mm. Silly person. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that, that's it, you know. The, the conversations you can have and don't ha- didn't used to be able to have. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird. To, ongoing dialogue. Yeah, oh, that's it. You have to have an ongoing dialogue. Which yeah. is unfortunately what... Um, government this hasn't seemed to figure out <laughs> oh let's not even go there oh, um, <laughs> I mean I'm I'm a staunch Scottish nationalist um, an independent assist, I'm a secessionist whatever the hell you want to call it but it's like I can deal with Labour I can deal with all that stuff but the Conservative Party just don't seem to want to have dialogue it's with like, anyone. It's like when Game Station got bought out by Game, mm-hmm. and Game cut off the the wounded arm mm-hmm. to try and make itself succeed. I feel like that's what the Conservatives are doing. They're just trying to like kill off part of the country mm-hmm. to try and make their little one percent succeed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, <laughs> um, I have grown up with the. Scotland canny um, succeed in its own and all the rest of that kind of stuff but when you actually go on it it's like no um, England really has to have Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales to keep it going so it's like, I think England will go off on one if mm. everywhere else just like leaves it mm. <laughs> but I mean that's the thing when you, you look at the numbers it's like you do realise that like 90% of this fresh water in the whole of the UK is in Scotland, right? And like, mm. oh. That, that is having conversations with people that are like, oh, you aren't going to be able to do this, you know, use your subsidy junkies, it's like, where the fuck do you think the money comes from? It's like, mm. it's coming from here, it's coming from Northern Ireland, it's coming from Wales, and London. Mm. And even then, sometimes London doesn't make enough money. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's weird having conversations with people about that. But that's not gaming. We shouldn't have it. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, if, if, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, you will know that the ranting gets on and on and on, and the political comes in it. As it's again another issue I have with people that go, "Oh, I don't want politics in my games." It's like politics literally run the world. Politics are in everything, same as physics is in everything. You know. Yeah, I can understand. You know, if you if you spent a lot of your day dealing yeah. with politics, even yeah. if you're not in politics, yeah. it, like a game is sort of an escape. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it depends. Like, if you've got fantasy made up politics, then I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't made a Brexit the game. <sighs> I'm sure somebody's <laughs> working on it. Um, and you get a commemorative 50p piece that says love and peace with all nations on it just for the added touch of irony there yeah, the, uh, the <laughs> irony of the, the, the I mean the, the irony of Brexit just never ends it's like fuck off man sometimes you just like mm. you, you aren't actually listening to what you say you haven't read whatever somebody's written for you have you when you're saying this uh, yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, I would say it'll all work out in the end, but you never know. Uh. Yeah. Um. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Um. No. I mean that's it for for me. Um. Yeah. I think I've kind co- of covered all the bases. All of my experiences so far, you've been really kind and let me just kind of babble on about everything I have to that, say. That's the thing, though. Um, you, you've got to have that, and you've got to let people talk. You know, that's that's why you're here. That's why you're on the on the podcast to talk about your experience, to talk about what you've done, um, and it is good because you know, is I've never uh, all the gaming podcasts I've come across. There's not had something that's a translator, so they've got a different um, perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, somebody who's a translator has got a different perspective on a game from somebody who actually wrote it or somebody who's involved yeah. in True. whatever the, the actual building of the game. It's different, obviously, yeah. if that person has been intimately involved with the that they might be a translator but they've been intimately involved with the game but yeah I mean that's 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 why I'm trying to get as much of a cross section of the gaming community as I can because yeah yeah I've never really thought about that I do I suppose I like my um feeling towards a game I sort of love it in a different way to the devs but Mm. I I definitely still have a love for the games that I've translated Mm -hmm. but they aren't my babies they're just sort of my I don't even know what they are. Nephews, like nieces. Products, I suppose. Nephews and nieces, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can hand them back quite happily. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than yeah. having to look after them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can give, hand them back. That's, that's a good, good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, as I said, you know, you, that's why I want as many different people on the podcast as I can. Yeah, from as, as many different places as I can get them to, to come and on from so you know just talk about well, give me a shout if you want more people for your podcast yeah. I can definitely introduce you to several I will do at some point um, 
I've got a list that I'm trying to work through. Um, uh. I've got a um, Kaipoi. Is that him? Kaipo. Um, that he is a. He's a Malaysian RPG logger and creator. Um, so I'm trying to organise him coming on. He does rollerplaydead.com as his website. Um, I can't remember the games that he does, but um, yeah, I'm trying to get him on to have a conversation with him. Obviously, um, same kind of issues as I have with um, somebody in Japan or. China or something like that the, the time difference um, I think it's very similar um, to you guys over there um, yeah, I think China's like one hour behind us yeah. so yeah I'm trying to get him on and various other people to, to try yeah. and cool that's exciting I look forward to yeah. listening to those yeah, so you know, different countries, not just UK, U- US, Canada. Yeah. You know, you try and get people from everywhere, and yeah. grew up in different cultures. You know, yeah. yes. Try trying to um. Oh, I had a, I had the term for it, but it's completely gone out of my head. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, try and try and get as many people. From d- as many different places on to talk about their uh, yeah get a real cross section of the globe of gaming I yeah, guess that's it that's it you want that that, that that is the problem I find with a lot of gaming um, podcasts is it's just like this cross section of gamers that they want or um, designers or whatever it is from the games that they love that they want. Now, obviously, you've got a passion about what you're doing, but that—that's what they—that's what they seem to want to bring in. Um, there's a painting podcast. Well, it's not really a paint podcast, but it's a paint all the minis. It's a Facebook group that I'm a member of that they do their own podcast. Dan does his podcast, um, and he has a cross section of people from everywhere in gaming, um, and that's where I took the idea from and oh, ran with it a wee yeah. bit more um, because he's got he's hit me on it twice and that's before I even started doing my own RPG um, nice. but you know he's got people that are massive in gaming um, like Rick Priestley and all the big games workshop guys and um, and then he's got people that do indie gaming and all the rest of that kind of stuff in so yeah yeah but I'm trying to do my own thing <laughs> and getting different. Yeah. I mean, the more people that you get on your podcast, the more things you'll learn anyway. Yeah, yourself, not that. just for your listeners, and that'll be yeah. more exciting for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned some stuff on this one, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna go back and take notes. I'm gonna take notes because <laughs> I can't do it while oh, I'm no. talking. Get no. to listen to my recorded voice. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I hate listening to myself. I hate listening <laughs> yeah. myself. It's just like, I think oh. it's very rare to find a person that doesn't mind their own voice. Hey? Yeah. yeah, it is very rare, and they're weird. Most people are weird. Um, 
just want to thank you again for uh, coming on. And yeah, thank you very much for having me. No, it's, it's been really fun to talk to you. Yeah, same and with sort you. of vocalise about you know random things that I've been doing over the last year or so. <laughs> and when the the game that you can't talk about um, yes com- comes out, I'll I'll um, I'll talk to you about it, and I'll I'll oh, maybe yeah, even try and um, plug it on the podcast. If we can yeah, that could be really fun. Yeah, that's that's the other thing I, I want to do as well. You know, talk to people and get there's a, a couple of RPG people that I've been talking to, um, and one of them's in Croatia, um, and you ca- right. they can't you can't crowdfund in Croatia. It's it's against oh, the really? law. It's the tax oh, laws and all this that kind of stuff. So I had him on the podcast to talk about it. Um, and yeah. talk about his game. It's like a horror-based game, um, so that's advertising for him. And I'll retweet whenever he's got stuff that's coming up. So yeah, it's, it's trying to try to build a community that's community of people, and trying to help as many people as you can. That's, that's yeah. Well, you've just you know opened my eyes a little more. I didn't realise there were countries where crowdfunding was against the law <laughs> there's, there's a few actually um, it's actually become a wee bit more noticed um, I can't yeah remember. Well, I guess it's become really popular recently mm-hmm. but there was on Twitter I saw a, oh. actually I retweeted it um, uh, somebody posted about the, the zine quest which is a thing that's going on right now Um uh-huh. A lot of people can't. A lot of good um, designers can't get involved in it because you know they can't crowdfund in their country. Somebody yeah. posted it. I can't remember where it is now. That's a real shame. I yeah. wonder why it's illegal. It's tax and all the rest of that kind of right. stuff involved. I, I think yeah. if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, I can't think of it. So. Um, well, I've got something to go Google. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, again, thank you. And yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, I'm sure I'll probably speak to you soon. Yeah. Talk to you on Twitter a bit, but yeah. yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks very much. Right, um, that is the interview with Maisie. Um, if you want to follow Maisie on. Twitter it's at Maisie KUV and we'll put the, the um it's got the handle down at the bottom. Uh her website. I will also put the like link to so if you are hey you might be somebody in Japan and you need something um translated and <laughs> she can do that for you. Obviously, you need to pay her pay her. Um she doesn't do Japanese to English translations, which um, she uh, pointed out to me because um, she doesn't, because she's not a, a native speaker. She doesn't have all the um, social nuances and stuff that she would need to do uh, a translation from English to Japanese. So obviously, as I said, I was as I was talking to her about it um, when we do. Um, Japanese to, not English to Japanese we will 
talk to her and see if we can find somebody um, to do that for us. Um, yeah, it was really interesting, and um, I'm sure we'll have her on again. Um, yeah, I I have plans to ha have her on again anyway because obviously to talk about the secret project, and we might even get the person on it with her or if if, the, if we can. Um, and we'll have them talk about that project um, and why they wanted to, you know, move it from Japanese to English and all, all this stuff. Well, I'll have a talk about it with her um, to see if it's a feasibility um, and, you know. Also, I want to know about the circus because that's that's not something you hear very often. Um, oh yeah, I, I worked for a little while at the circus. Anyway, um, I'll put all the links to our stuff in the notes. Uh, and as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please share it um, on Spotify or whatever um device you use, whatever um, program you use to get your podcasts, comment about it, um, every like, every comment, everything helps us out um, and moves us, uh, pushes us out um, into the the knowledge of people more. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know about comments as well. Um, so next week um, we will have the Infinity RPG actual play um, episode 12 uh, I am not sure if this will be the last one or not because I have a great big dirty feeling that this is the this is the end game um, but we might have to push it into another episode which would be kind of annoying but because I think we could really get it done um, if we don't fuck around this week. Uh, I think that's it. I think that is it for this week. Uh, as again, as always, um, at Dave's Hobby Stuff is my personal handle um, where I talk about whole loads of hobby shit um, and talk crap and political stuff um, occasionally too. Um, at Ham and Sharon is the Twitter handle for the game uh, and all the links to everything is in the pinned tweet or it's on the website so with regards to Patreon uh, we will be releasing the audio of both of the actual play campaigns that we are running um, well they're not actual play but they're the playtest campaigns that we're running um, will be released on Patreon for the next three to four months. Both of them will be there exclusively. Um, but once uh, once we've got past the current uh, version, into version three of the playtest, we'll be releasing the actual play of Sold Off um, every couple of weeks. Um, so Sold Off is the playtest campaign that's going to get released publicly um, but what we are going to do and what we've said all along is there will be a um, Patreon exclusive 
uh, campaign and we will always have a Patreon exclusive campaign uh, the name of that will be Troubles with the Dark and Unknown that is a working title um, obviously when we go to release um, we will have another title for it but that is that is Patreon exclusive until we actually go to print like when we print the game for real that is it's going to be Patreon exclusive the audio will also be Patreon exclusive up until that point so you're talking two and a half years um, so we will release the the playtest version of it uh, the playtest audio version of it but anyone who's a Patreon subscriber will get exclusively the playtest version of it and <clears throat> if you are a Patreon subscriber and you are a Patreon subscriber um, t up until we um, go to print or you've been a Patreon subscriber for at least 6 months um, before we go to print you will also get a copy of that um, that playtest campaign when it is completed it's fixed all the issues are kinked out when the rules go to print that'll be as part of the deal um, along with the various tiers um, you get that for free you will get it posted to you or we'll PDF we'll send you the PDF of it or whatever whatever your preferred method is um, yeah. so that is there are going to be um, bonuses to become being a, a Patreon subscriber there's always going to be bonus you know, just to being a Patreon subscriber even when we go to print even when we're making money if you still continue to be a Patreon or a patron of the Patreon you will be getting exclusive stuff that other people aren't going to get or you'll get stuff for free there's always going to be something um, so yeah the other campaign sold off um, the the audio will be available on Patreon exclusively until April, May um, and then we'll release that every month um, so yeah so that's, that's it that's, that's the whole deal with the Patreon um, and what's going on with that uh, all full colour pictures when I eventually get them uh, scanned I'll upload them with the watermarks and everything um, so you can you can see how they end up um, yeah that's it, that's it for me for this week, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and again I want to thank Maisie uh, it was great to finally get Ron, it's been months we were trying to get it done uh, but obviously because of things that happened with me in life it got postponed so on Saturday I'm going to be talking with Chuck from Defenders of Cobalt uh, that episode will be not next Monday but the Monday after um, da, 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 and I'm going to say good day and happy hobby guys. <laughs>